Hallelujah. Amen. Cole had a dream a few weeks ago. We shared about here. Some of you were here and he had a watch and people were all going one direction. He, people were all coming this way and he was going that way. And they kept saying, what time is it? And every time he would go, look down to look at his watch, the watch would turn every time. And these people kept saying, what time is it? And I, I want to pick up on that today. And I want to talk to you about this. Excuse me. Do you know what time it is? Excuse me, do you know what time it is? And I'm going to tell you what time it is today. And I believe uh, Romans 13, if you got your Bibles, I want you to follow with me. Folks, it's pertinent now that you get your own relationship with God. It is pertinent now that your roots go down deep in God if you are going to survive the storms that are upon us now. You must have root yourself. I'm not saying that to put fear in you. I'm just saying you need to get into this book now like never before. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to get into prayer. It is not some kind of thing I got to teach you about. It is just simply talking with God, sharing your heart with God. Begin to talk to Him. He will listen. He wants to talk to you. Get into the Word of God. Read it. You don't have to read eight bazillion pages a day. Just read some every day. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This book right here is truth. It proceeded out of the heart and mind and mouth of God and it is truth. You can stand upon it. It will sustain you in this hour. It will sustain you, I'm telling you. Uh, and it will make you uh, strong in faith. And so uh, get into that. Get Start spending time. Say, well, I've waited too late or a bit too long. No, start now. Start now. Uh, start today while you're quarantined in your homes. That's a good time. Amen? And so uh, just uh, get into the Word of God and be grateful you have a copy of the Word of God in your home. Amen. Excuse me, do you know what time it is? Listen to what Romans 13, 11 says. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust thereof. If someone were to ask you what time it is, then there's kind of two assumptions we could assume. One is that you are expecting somebody and you're wondering if the time is approaching in the moment that you're waiting that that is about to happen. And number two, you have to be somewhere and you're now wondering, is it getting close to the time that I need to begin to head in a certain direction? That's the assumptions we would often think about uh, when, when we're thinking about, do you know what time it is? Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. You think about the farmer in the field and it would be kind of, uh, we would kind of think it's silly if we saw him go out with all of his instruments of farming to reap the harvest 
And yet you saw him out there and there's not even a plant that's sticking up out of the field. But likewise, if the plants are all sticking up out of the field and your neighbor's a farmer and you look out the window and he's not out there in a day when the field is ready to be harvested and ready to be ripe and yet he is not nowhere to be found out there bringing in the harvest and the rains are about to come and beat down and wash all of the harvest away. You would, that would be as equally foolish, right? And that's where we're at today because Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Jesus said words like this. Then He said to His disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. It's really plentiful out here. The fields are wide unto harvest, church. There's people out here that are primed and ready for the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there's nobody willing to tell them. There's nobody willing to work in my fields. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest fields. So why so few laborers even today in the churches of Jesus Christ where we know the only way to escape the wrath to come is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We know it's taking the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ outside of these walls into the world and telling them that there is a God who loves them, yet we are sinners in need of a Savior and He is willing to save those who will come to Him right now. Today is the day of salvation and He's ready, but yet we sit in our churches, sing our songs, sit on our pews, and yet walk right past the harvest fields and go right back into our homes week after week after week after week. Amen? And so few are responding to the call of Jesus Christ. That the fields are white unto harvest, yet I, ha- I pray the Lord of harvest that some harvesters will show up and begin to harvest the field. Jonah was called to go in his generation. And Jonah, the Bible tells us, was supposed to go to Nineveh. He was supposed to go to the most wicked city on the face of the earth, the Assyrians, man. They were conquerors. They were bad people. And, and they, they, they conquered by force and by conquest. And Nineveh was the capital of the city. And they were known for their cruelty and conquering people in the world. And when they conquered you, they didn't just conquer you. They assimilated you. They forced you into their mold. They forced you to become what they were. There was no room for alternate opinion of that day. They forced you into assimilation and what they wanted you to be. And so God calls Jonah in that day and He says this, the fields are right under harvest and He's saying, I want you to go and I want you to tell this world about the justice that is about to come upon them. They're about to face the justice seat. They're about to face the judgment of God is about to come on Nineveh for its wickedness. And he feared, uh, here's what Jonah feared, that God would be merciful. He feared God would be be nice to him and merciful to him. And so he took a ship and went down to Joppa, bought a ticket and went in the opposite direction to Tarsus, which was towards Spain. And and went in that direction, the Bible says. And here's what he did. The Scripture says that he fell fast asleep. He went down and down and down. And that's what sin will do to you and away from the presence of God. You'll go down lower and lower and lower and lower till you find yourself unconcerned for mankind, unconcerned from the world and you'll find yourself fast asleep not really caring if the whole world around us perishes as long as we're okay right 
And that's where he was. He's in the opposite direction. He's fast asleep, basically telling them that the justice they deserve, they're going to get. And that's where some of you are today. Well, the world's getting what it, what it, what it, what it deserves. And, 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 you know, we're just going to hunker down in our houses and let, let judgment come to them. Just, just let, let judgment come upon the whole world, right? While we're fast asleep, resting down in the bottom of the boat, unconcerned, buying our Purell and buying our hand sanitizer and our toilet paper. And Jonah feared that they would be merciful. And, 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 and look, I understand. I get tired of the evil flaunting itself in my face every day too. Right? I get tired of the wickedness going on and all that's going on, the perverse stuff going on around us, the foolishness going on around us, the lies, the insults, the, uh, all of these things. And so this, but, but we can't get it to the point where Jonah's attitude, let them just be judged. Fooey on them. Who cares? Let them just face the judgment of God. He'll deal with them. Jesus Himself said this, in the last days, iniquity will abound to the point where the love of many will grow cold. Not only the love of many's heart, the love of the work of God will grow cold in your heart and in my heart. God forbid we let the love of God grow cold. God forbid we let that grow cold in this last hour when the, when the world needs it the most. The love of following God's ways will grow cold. God forbid that you, that you grow cold of following God and saying, well, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. His commandments are just so restrictive. And going to church is just so restrictive. And I just get nothing out of it anyway. And I'm just, I'm just tired and I'm just done with this stuff. And just, just, just in the last days, the Bible tells us we're going to face this love of growing cold in our hearts. Amen? And Jonah took a journey. And the Bible says that a storm arose. And I find this very, very interesting and very, very humorous. Because everything around Jonah starts to collapse. It ain't Nineveh collapsing right now. It's Jonah's world. Everything around Jonah collapses just like our worlds are seeing this today. Everything around Jonah begins to, 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 be, to begin to change and collapse and a storm is just not just on the world, but it's on, the, on, it's on him now. That, 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 that not just the people he's being sent to, but also on, on the people in his immediate circle. Kind of like the people at Viva Health. Kind of like the people at Eminem Tire. Kind of like the people at Brookside Church of God. Kind of like the people in your circle and influence that the storm has now come and finds it upon us as as well. Amen? Amen. And have you noticed society's breaking up? Right. We've preached this from this pulpit for years. Yes. You have been warned this day was coming. Yes. I've preached things like this. God's plan in the coming depression. Right. I, I've preached things. I, I, you've known this day. These days were coming that we're living in. We may get a reprieve. I don't know what's going to happen from here on out. We may see times uh, things go back to somewhat normalcy, but I'm telling you folks, the world is changing as you know it. And God is in control. And God is good. And God is steering this thing. And we're going to be all right. Amen? Amen. Jonah 1.5 says this. And the question I want to ask you is, you know, uh, 
why uh, uh, there's so few laborers in the harvest. Why is that? I'm going to just give you three reasons why there are so few laborers in the harvest. And number one, there's few, so, so there, there are few in the harvest because uh, they want to be comfortable. Okay, listen to what it says Jonah right here at verse 5. Jonah 1. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God. And they threw the car. They're crying out to all their gods. All their false gods. Okay, listen. And, and, and everyone cried out to his God. They threw their cargo, which was in the ship of the sea. They don't care. We want to save our lives. We'll throw everything. We'll throw, you know, our money. We'll throw our resources. We'll, whatever we got to do to save ourselves. We don't know what to do. And that's what you see the world in panic mode right now. We'll lighten the ship. We'll do whatever we got to do. We'll get bailouts. We'll do whatever we got to do. We'll lower taxes. We'll do, we'll just lighten the ship. Lighten the ship. Hurry, hurry. Stop the hemorrhage. Stop the water from filling in. Do whatever we've got to do. And call on your God somewhere, right? And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But listen, but Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, O sleeper? Arise and call on your God. American church, the world needs you now to arise out of your sleep. The reason the storm is on them is because of us. We have the power to move mountains and we won't call on our God. Where's the prayer meeting? You can't get a person out to a prayer meeting. We can sing. We can have, we can have bunco night. We can do all these great things, but where is the voices of, of God's people calling on a God who has the power to stay and steal the storms on behalf of this world? Arise and call on your God and perhaps your God will consider us. But we're asleep. We won't even call. We won't even come to a prayer meeting. We won't even turn CNN and Fox off long enough to get on our knees and say, God, this wicked world is perishing. Please save the Indians. Oh God, this wicked world is perishing. Please save the Muslims. Oh God, this wicked world is perishing. They're calling on the wrong gods. Please save the Buddhists. Oh God, this wicked world is perishing. They've called on their gods. Their gods are not responding, but we have the right God. God, oh God, call. We call on you now. Help this world. Help this world. Help those in need. Help our school children. Help this world. We've got to call on God now, church. They're begging you, arise. Call on your God. Please. Please, ours is not working. Christian, call on your God. If you say you got the right one, call on him. Quick. Quick. Arise, call on your God. Perhaps he will consider us so that we may not perish. This world's about to perish, folks. There's people going to die and go to hell today. It matters they're not going to recover from eternity in hell fire. 
Arise and call on your God. Quit fighting on the internet over who's right and was this started by the government? Was this started by man? Was this started by the U.S.? Was this started by China? It doesn't matter. God allowed it and it's here and we need to arise and call on our God because our way of life has changed. God is in control. He's shaking the earth one more time and He's trying to get a hold of people. Not because He doesn't love us because right the opposite. He loves you so much and He wants his judgments are redemptive in nature yes. hallelujah but 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 Jonah became unaware and he just wanted to be comfortable he just wanted to be comfortable he had had enough fighting I fought my kids long enough all day now I got to figure out where I'm gonna put them in daycare this week I, I'm tired of fighting the last thing I want to do is, is to is to is to do this I just want to go to sleep I just want to lay down. I just want to, I just, I don't want to add this to my burden of figuring out all the things I've got to figure out. And, and so, so, so th- there's a society that's being judged, but it's a few down, days down the road, and I'm going in the opposite direction. And his ears began to be closed to the cry all around him. And, and folks, it's a divine time, but he doesn't recognize the cry. He doesn't hear the cry. You can shut your ear to the cry of this moment if you want to, but I'm not going to shut my ear to the cry in this moment. Like I just read on Rick Hagans, who spoke in this pulpit, like I just read, Hosanna Home. It's a girl's home in, in uh, Auburn, Alabama, where they give birth to babies and they're in there and these people depend 100% on, they're always asking, we need this, we need this, we have this, we don't know how much money we're going to have to get through the month and all this. And just just this morning on Facebook, I'm reading, and here's what their, their post says. We're seeing that because of the panic, formula in the stores is gone. And we have formula, so if you need formula, please see us, and we will be glad to share some of our formula with you. That's what Christianity is. Not running in fear, afraid, and hoarding up, and not loving your neighbor or giving to your neighbor, but a people who don't have and says, you know what, if God has to supply it supernaturally, we'll have it, but we're going to reach our hands out to a world that is in need right now, that is afraid, that is scared, and, and, and has babies at home and they don't know how to feed them, and we're going to be the answer to that. We're going to have God's hands reaching through us to touch this lost world one more time before he comes and if we get the coronavirus we get the coronavirus and God allowed it amen Jonah's ears were closed to the society and I don't say that haphazardly I don't want the coronavirus either and I'm going to use every precaution I can possibly use but it's not a time for the church of Jesus Christ to draw back not while people are perishing eternally. And, and, and so we need to hear the voice of our Master and our Savior telling us and bidding us what to do. Some go out there like Peter. I'll go. I'll never let you die. And they're out there doing stupid stuff and, and getting in a way and getting things happen. Others are passively, oh gosh, oh, what do I do? I know I'm going. So, so we need to hear the voice of God and move in the power of God. If He says go, go. If He says stay, stay. If He says sit, sit. Listen to the voice of God. My sheep hear me and they know their voice. That's why I'm 
my friend Tom Dooley was immediately saying, hey, guys, start praying now. I need direction and I need wisdom. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I'm not afraid that I'm going to end up somewhere. I know God's got me on a divine assignment and I'm not afraid of that. Just pray that I will hear the voice of God be in the right place to know where God wants to put me. And so if we're not careful, we can become so focused on our own preservations. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to raise my kids? And the proof of that is the empty shelves at Walmart. That shows you where your heart is. I'm not saying be sensible. I stopped on the way home too because I know the pandemic and the craziness of people. When you start to take away things from them, what's going to happen? But you're not to live in, in fear. And start trying to save your life. Those who try to save their lives will lose it. And those who lose their lives for my sake will find salvation and safety. And so we become so, when you become so focused on your own preservation, then you won't hear the cry of the need uh, of those in need anymore. Paul the Apostle says it like this, knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now your salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Here's what Paul is saying. It's time to wake up, church. It's time to wake up. It's time, Oh, sleeper, it's time to wake up. You've been asleep too long. It's time to wake up. And when Jonah finally woke up, he came to the deck of the ship and he told them, I've been running from God. I've been running from the presence of God. He told him. He told him. You go home and read it. I read it this morning. You, go, hey, you know, hey, I've been running. And, and so it's a type of person who says, I, I, I want to go to the prayer meeting, but unless he picks me up and takes me, I, I'm not going. Well, maybe you need to get somebody in this church to pick you up and take you. Right? Because it's time to wake up. It's our voices, you know, it's our own, our, our voices God wants to raise up now to make a difference in this world. Throw me into this turmoil is what Jonah said. Throw me into the turmoil and it, it will cease for you. Throw me into this and it will, it will begin to, 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 to cease for you. Throw me into the mix. Throw me into the turmoil. And, 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 and we've got to be willing to stand up, lift up our voices and say, Mountain, be ye removed. And the Scripture says those mountains will obey us. It's not a song. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a prayer. That we need to release now. These mountains moved when he woke up out of his slumber. It's time to pray, church. It's time to pray like never before. Society is falling apart around us. The world is collapsing. And if this ain't the final, trust me, I'm not, look, I know we've said this and that, 88 and this and this and this, but one day it's going to happen. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Okay, so 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 it's it's coming closer and people are beginning to be afraid. And now is not the time to sleep. It's time to wake up. The second reason laborers are so few. Number one, we want to be comfortable. Number two is we live for self-satisfaction. We live for self-satisfaction. Listen, Solomon was a man that was given guardianship of the, 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 the temple of God. He was given guardianship uh, of the, uh, uh, to make known of the physical testimony of God in the earth. The only testimony of God in the earth. And the mercy seat. When they came to that temple, it was the one place on the earth, Daniel, they could come and they could see. Solomon could roll out there and say, 
say, this is what God is like. And they could come and they could see this cloven tongue of fire sitting over the mercy seat there saying, God wants to forgive you. God loves you. This is what God is like. And this is what, there was divine order there, such divine order there. Just like divine order came and cloven tongues of fire came on you when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says now that the veil was rent one day and God's presence moved out of that place and out of that box into this one. And we became the temple of God. And there is a mercy seat inside of us that now the people can come to and see this temple of the living God. And they can see that Jesus Christ offers mercy to them today if we'll go out and show it and let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and they glorify our heavenly Father. We are the physical, visible display of God's temple on the earth now. We are to show the world this is what God is like. We are to be different now than the society around us and religious people around us. We are the body of Christ and Jesus Christ lives in us. Amen. And he was to guard that. And you're to guard the guardianship of this temple. And yet we've let all kind of filth and all kind of things mar the image of God to where they can't see what it's supposed to be like. Yes, it matters if you're out drinking and fornicating and lying and stealing and, 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 and doing the things that Scripture tells us that we're not. I'm not talking about being sensitive to you if you're struggling in a manner and you've got the heart of God and you're trying to stop those things. I'm talking about blatant, defiant. Sin now needs to stop. You need to stop it in the name of Jesus before it gets too late. It's close, folks. The hour is at hand and I'm I'm telling you sin is wrong and you need to you need to come out from among it and be separate from it amen and Solomon had the answer they would have marveled at the divine order that was set into place he had a certain order David got everything together left it down to him he put everything into the order that God had said and people were amazed only the mind of God could do this and when we got saved we had people coming to us and saying, Daniel, what happened to your life, brother? We didn't go telling them. They said, what is, what is going on in your life? And things began to be set in divine order from the hand of God. And I'm telling you something that people began to recognize and wake up. But here's what happened. The queen of Sheba, so much so, she had cupbearers, she had attendees, she had everything that Solomon had. But she came to his and she began to say, whoa! I heard about this while I was over far away in another land, but now I've seen it with my eyes and not half the half was told of me. What, what? It's even better than what I thought. It's even better than what I heard. This is God. There's nothing like I've seen of your attendees, your cupbearers, the order in this house. It's not the half was told me. You've got the answer, Solomon, and it's right here. But here's what began to happen to Solomon. I'm glad she came in the beginning of Solomon's transformation and not in the end because because if she would have come at the end, it's a whole nother story. And this is what we've got to be careful again. All that sudden, Solomon got bored with the answer. And the Bible says he went out to seek self-gratifying things. He began to seek plant vineyards. He began to plant the biggest, uh, build walls. He began to, to build all kinds of things. And if she would have come in that day, she would have just kind of yawned and said, Wow, impressive buildings, walls. 
And it's all because he began to have self-gratification. And we have done the same kind of thing. We have pursued the question rather than the answer when we have the answer already before us. And that's why Romans, he, he just, it's a tragedy that Solomon just walked away from the answer and began to start pursuing questions. And that's what we're doing in our day and time. Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light and let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness, not in lust, not in strife, not in envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And each of those words are very interesting in the Greek. And here's what Carter Conlon says about those words when he put them in his own words one day. And I love it. And I took it and used it here. It, it, when he says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and in lust, not in strife or in envy. Here's how he went through every Greek word and put it in his own words. He said, don't be in a place where the overdrinking of wine could open your heart to other excesses, including forbidden sexual encounters and even living with someone as married when you are not. It can lead to a frame of mind where godly borders are no longer recognized and soon you will begin to argue with and strive against those whose Christ-like behavior stands in stark contrast to yours. And that's what Solomon got involved in. And that's what people are involved in today. And we need to be careful not to lose the answer and those, that divine order staying in, our, in what God has called us to do in our ministries so that people can see it done His way and they can marvel and say, only God could do this. Only God. Rather than setting out in our own pursuits and our own self-gratification that opens us up to all sorts of other things and we find ourselves thinking we were in the work of God, not in the work of God, and marring the image of God. And then fighting with people back and forth who are. And, and just absolutely. And I believe that's what we're experiencing today. And then number three, lastly, reason there are so few laborers in the harvest is we, we, we are not moving because of fear. We're not moving because of fear. We're living in an age of fear. People being gunned down at concerts in Paris and in Las Vegas and... All kinds of school shootings and mass shootings and all kinds of things going on that we never could have imagined growing up in my day and time or before. And now coronavirus is upon us a, and, and a moment of insanity has ensued on our world. And there's no longer an assurance of safety and now fear is beginning to grip the hearts of even God's people. We know that, he said in the last days, fear would come so bad that men's hearts would fail them in fear. Looking after the things coming on the earth. Rather than looking upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Focusing our eyes upon Him. And, 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 and so, so fear is now beginning to grip the hearts. And deep down there is this fear. And even in the midst of this, that's why Paul says, put on Christ. And what he's saying is put on an understanding and make no provision for the flesh. He's saying put on an understanding that standing for God means standing against fear now. Standing for God means standing against fear. We've got to stand against fear now, folks. We've got to stand against fear. The world is trembling in fear, and rightfully so. If I didn't have God in my life, I'd be trembling in fear right now. Scary enough with Jesus in your boat. Much less if He's not in your boat. 
And so the whole world, and so he's saying, put on Christ. You're not going to stand against fear in your own self. The only way you're going to do it is if you put on Christ. Put on an understanding. Put on a mindset that, that, that we've got to stand against this. And make no provision for the flesh. Begin, Hebrews 12, 2 says it like this. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Because of the eternal joy of seeing us here in this room today. Seeing us with him forever. He endured the cross and despised the shame. He endured everything. He cast aside fear and endured everything hell could throw at him. And let me tell you something now. Hell's about to throw everything it can against you. It's fixing to throw everything it can against the people of God and the body of Christ. It's about the, the, the woman... The dragon became wroth with the woman and went to make war against her and her seed. And just opened up a flood of filth out of her mouth to try to swallow up the inhabitants of the earth. And that flood of filth, that baptism of filth that's coming on the earth right now through your televisions, through your internet, through your phones, and how convenient to get us all even more so in our homes away from the Word of God and by ourselves on those devices even more and more and more so they can tell us how to think and how to act and how to live and how to fear. And Jesus endured all thrown of them at him and he made a choice to stand. I'm asking you to make a choice to stand now against fear. All the fears that he shouldn't be standing for God. All the fears that you should go down in the belly of the ship now and go to sleep. All the reasons why you shouldn't be going out into action and why you should just be taking a little bit of the cake and a little bit of the pie for yourself right now. But the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. I love God. I love the work of God. And I'm asking Him to give me a heart for those that are outside of these walls, just like those ladies in that Hosanna home, that rather than me fearing and wondering if I'm going to have enough, that I begin to give like God gives, who reaches out His hands and always gives so kindly. Amen? There's a time when you and I have to understand and what time it is. Like the people asking Cole, what time is it? What time is it? There's a time we've got to understand that it's time to stand up. It's time to take a stand for God no matter the consequences, church. I'll close with this in a moment. Just like in the days of Gideon. Just like in the days of Gideon. When the Israelis were there and all kinds of constantly the people came down and the Midianites came down and taunted the people of God and just absolutely took all their resources and just, just came down and put fear in them. And God came to this one man. He came to this one man named Gideon. And he came and he said, I want you to put together an army. I want you to put this army together. And I think Gideon came together with about 22,000 against something like 135,000. And God said, Gideon, that's too much. Too much. Because if you defeat them with that, 
You'll think your strength did it. And they'll think your strength did it. So we got to whittle that thing down a little more and make the odds absolutely impossible. I'm going to tell you something. God's going to put you in the most impossible situations and places so that not you coming through, not your work coming through, not the IRS coming through, not Social Security coming through, not the government coming through, but God Almighty coming through. And so he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get every man that's got fear and I want you to tell them they can go home. And he did this. And it got down to 300 men. I think it's 135,000 or some odd. He said, now I'm ready. Now I can do something. Now I can do something with this. Now the power of God. And here's what he did, folks. He, he sent 300 people on a suicide mission. This is exactly what he did. 300 people on a suicide mission. And he said, here's how we're not going to fight stealthily. He said, we are going to get in companies of three and you are going to stand in a visible place. And I feel like this is for the body of Christ now. You ain't going to fight secretly and stealthily, but I'm going to put you in visible places. And he said, you are going to take a torch and you are going to hold it high. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You didn't think you are going to have to live this part of the verse? Let it shine till Jesus comes. You thought you was going to take it down for a while? I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine all the time. And that's what they did. They began to put those lights under a pitcher and under a bowl there. And they begin to say something like this, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And in other words, the power of God through a surrendered human vessel stands before you now. And when a, the power of God stands before you in a human vessel, all things begin to become possible. If you'll stand and you'll pray, if you'll stand and you'll speak, if you'll stand and lay hands on the sick, they will recover. If you stand, you can cast out demons and you can cast out devils. Folks, there is nothing that God cannot do with His power inside and a surrendered vessel. And that's what He wants. A treasure inside an earthen vessel that is visibly displayed, set up on a hill for all the world to see that there is a God and God has a people and God has a plan and God will win. Amen. The power of God in a, in a surrendered vessel that stands. What time is it? What time is it? It's time to stand. It's time to stand. It's time to stand in prayer. It's time to stand with neighbors. It's time to stand in giving. It's time to stand in... It's time to stand. It's not time to sleep. I'll stand in the public place. I'm not going to hide behind a bushel. I'm going to stand visibly as a declaration of who God is. Of who God is. Let the world see it now, folks. Let the world see it now. You've been hidden at the job. You've been hid hiding your light under a bushel. It's time. 
It's time. You've been hiding it at the just everywhere. We've been hiding it. Just, well, I better not rock the boat. I'll just be kind of, kind of quiet and just kind of, yeah, God, God, God. No, it's time. It's time to be vivid. The world's looking. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Will you not call on your God? Will you not speak for your God? Will you not do something? It's time. It's time, like I believe a few weeks ago when somebody came to my work and said, will you pray with a group of people here and ask God to heal a man with cancer? And here all of a sudden, I've gone from a little guy having my, my ears, buds in my ear. All of a sudden now I'm on the deck of a ship and they're coming to ask me, speak, speak for God. Call on God. We know you serve God. Call on your God now. Call on your God now. My friend, I always talk, wish he was my friend, Carter Conlon, who preaches all the time, just stepped down from Times Square. You know why? He's 60-something years old. And he got a call from Washington. Stand up. Stand up in the world. Stand up now for God. And he's going on all kind of radio stations. And he's holding prayer meetings to call this nation back to prayer. Wake up, old sleepers. Wake up, old sleepers. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come out. The world needs Leads us now. Amen. We'll not draw back. Will not draw back. He can save to the uttermost. It's time to rise up. Time to speak. It's time to cast out demons. It's time to cast out devils. I don't want to live with a history book in my hand telling me of what people did years ago. I want to go to heaven with a bushel of souls in my hand. I want to go to heaven with the people of God coming with me and us doing powerful exploits like Daniel said. Those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Amen. Hallelujah. It's time to stand up publicly. So I know what time it is. And may God help us to take a stand that we need to take. Come on up and let's get ready to worship before we close. It's a time like David. It's a time like little David went to a battlefield. And when all of Israel was silent, and when all of Israel had a giant coming down, shaking his fist, defying the armies of God, and nobody would stand up. None of the people of God were standing up. They were crouched down, hiding behind rocks. And yet, one young man finally comes brave enough and says, Wake up, O oh sleeper. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Will you call on your God? And a little boy a little shepherd boy, a little guy tending sheep in the field comes to the battlefield and he says, King, give me permission because I'm tired of this guy defying the armies of the living God. It's time to speak. It's time to stand. And I'm going down in that valley and I'm going to defeat this giant in the power of my God and in the power of my Christ. And that guy went down into that place and a miracle took place. And I want to call us today. Listen, I know there's fear. Let me tell you something. Second, Second Timothy says this, 1-7. What does it say? We've been hearing it a lot. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. So here's what my friend Tim Delena, my other friend that I don't know, that I love, can't wait to meet in heaven, said this morning as I was listening to their interesting service with no audience. And he said this, when fear infects us, we lose those things. 
when, when you let fear be injected in you and infect you, you lose your power. You lose your love and begin to be self-focused and clear the Walmart shelves out. And you lose your sound mind and start saying, oh my goodness, don't touch any hands. Foot bump everybody. Don't look anybody in the eye. You lose your mind. You lose your sound mind. And that's what's happening today. And it's what we preached last week and he preached it that's this morning about Jesus being in the boat. And what they had, they, when they had a fear problem, they had a faith problem. When you have a fear problem, you have a faith problem. And you have a faith problem in who God is. You have a faith problem in the character of God. You're not trusting God. And so if you've got a fear problem, you've got a faith problem. And you've got a character of God problem. And you've got to go back to God. And you've got to get the character of God straightened out and fixed out. And so I'm going to read you the passage that he read this morning because I think it's so, so well. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow in because you might need it this week. Isaiah 40. Israel was facing a bad time. Backslidden. All kind of stuff going on. Fearful like we're living in today. Like we're living in. And listen, I'm compassionate. We, we don't want to lose compassion toward people. This is a frightful time. I remember 9-11. I, about, I was scared to death. You guys, my daddy. I knew these things were coming and then they were upon me and it was here. And I asked God, don't let that happen again when the, when the world changes again. And I'm hoping so far so good. But I know we, haven't, we may not have seen anything yet. But, but listen, God is bigger than pandemic. And God is bigger than stock markets. And God is bigger than businesses. And God is bigger than, than, than all of this. And so if you've got fear, you have a lack of faith, and you have a God issue problem. So, so really start dealing with that first. About the character and nature of God. And trust how great your God is. Okay? In Isaiah 40, here's what he says in verse 9. We're going to start reading there. Listen to what he says. This is awesome because they're, they're having that, that faith problem there. He says, O Zion that brings good tidings, get thee up to the high mountains. O Jerusalem that bring good tidings, lift up your voices with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid or fear not. Fear not. They're fearing and he says, fear not. Say unto the cities of Jerusalem or Judea, behold your God. In other words, don't fear. And this is why here's what your God is like. Okay, church, as we go back into the madness in a few minutes, and we're going to see more stuff. I had already gotten stuff. My workers that I work with can't go into hospitals tomorrow. We make, we make our livelihood going into hospitals. We can't go into hospitals. We can't go into, we can't go into places. So I'm telling you, it's, it's going, to, going to get, things are going to change before they change the other way. So, so listen, but here's what he says. So, so in that time, not to get fearful, he, he tells us this, Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and His arms shall rule Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with His arms, and carry them in His bosom, and shall gently lead those who are with young. That's your God. Now listen to how powerful he is. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. In, 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 in Jewish rabbis, they say, 
Everybody cup your hand like this. You see that little bowl part in there? That's the hollow of your hand. All the waters in the world, the world is made up of two-thirds waters. They say eight miles deep in some places. They can't even measure how much water is on the face of the earth. Yet you got a God so big. Behold your God. He can hold every bit of water right there. So tomorrow when you're watching the news and they're freaking you out and the sky is falling and you're terrified, I want you to hold your hand up and say, God, I worship you. You hold the waters in the hollow of your hand. There's nothing too hard for you. All right, it gets better. Hold on. Who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He meted out the heaven with the span and to comprehend the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and the scales in the hill of about. This is the span. We can't even take anything and measure the entirety of the earth. Yet your God can do this. So the next time, and here's what we're going to do in worship in a minute. We're going to stand in this place. If you need prayer, and you need prayer for fear, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's time. Get to know you need a Savior. You need a God. You need salvation. We're all sinners. Our sin has made us guilty before God, and we need salvation. If that's you, this altar's open. Come talk to me. We'll talk about that. Number two, we need to get fear. Uh, we need to stand up against fear today so that we can be a voice. We're not going to be stupid. We're not going to do stupid things. They tell us to get in certain lines. We're going to get in certain lines, and we're going to be polite about it and not be ugly to people. They're doing their jobs. They're doing their jobs. They're trying to protect us. And we don't need to look like idiots out there like the rest of the world. We need to be like Christians. Showing what God is like and thinking, while I'm in this line, I might get to tell five people about the love of God. And not ruin my witness in two seconds. And be ashamed of God. And so, and I'm having to pray against that too because I'm a hothead, so I know. So that's my prayer to y'all pray for me. But while we're doing that, if you got fear today, if you got fear, we're going to take one hand and say, God, you got the span of all the waters in this hand, and we're going to raise the other hand. I mean, you got the hollow. We're going to raise the hollow up, and we're going to raise the span over here. And we're just going to worship Him. And we're just going to sing a song, and we're going to say, Miracle Worker, or whatever we're saying, Promise Keeper. Oh, you got the span. You got the hollow. There ain't nothing. Corona's nothing compared to that. You know, the next pestilence is nothing. Whatever else we face in next week is nothing. Empty store shelves is nothing. Retirement plans are nothing. Nothing compared to our God. This is who you are. This is who you are. You're bigger than all this. And so we're going to worship with the span and we're going to worship with the hollow. I took that from Tim Delaney.